Welcome to Home, Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I'm the home functionality coach and realtor. I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. In this episode, let's discuss yard functionality and aesthetics. How much outdoor space do you have to work with? Would you say you spend a lot of time out there, a little time, or no time? Why is that? Is it a nice place to be? What activities do you enjoy in that space? If you're drawing a blank when I ask this question, it may be because you've either not put any effort into your outdoor space yet, or you've never thought about it in that way. Just like indoors, consider what spaces you have and the reasons for making them spectacular. It could be an extension of your interior space when the weather is nice. It could be a place for you to escape and read, garden, or simply start enjoying more fresh air. So let's talk about our outdoor spaces. When I speak about your yard, I speak of it holistically. A lot of people think about their yard as their backyard, but the front yard makes the first impression as we discussed in the curb appeal episode number 25. From dry creek beds or rock gardens to an herb garden in an oversized pot, you can absolutely include your front yard into the vision as a whole for possibilities for your outdoor space. Let's ask some questions about your outdoor space and your reason. Question number one, do you have amenities outdoors for yourself? This means items to enhance your time in that space. So like as in whatever you do out there, do you have supporting things to make it more enjoyable? And if you don't, could you? I'm such a huge fan of outdoor rugs. They not only define the space and make it look wonderful, but it's a nonverbal invitation to come out and enjoy things, kick off your shoes, and stay a while. If you have a hammock, do you have a place to set your book or your drink? 
This is what I mean by amenities. These are things that don't have to be complicated or expensive necessarily, but could absolutely enhance your quality of life because it encourages you to spend time there and enjoy it in a new way. Question number two, are there specific plants that evoke a pleasant childhood memory? The smell of lavender, for example, reminds me of my grandparents' farm. Can you incorporate these in a place you can smell when you sit and sip your morning coffee? Question number three. Can you create a space to move more or a space as a reward for yourself after you get back from a walk or a workout? Building frequent and consistent exercise habits means associating happiness and pleasure with it. Question number four, who says you have to have a vegetable garden to grow vegetables? If you've never grown anything before, put whatever vegetable that is your favorite right alongside a shrub in your flower bed and try your hand at growing it. Just one. You never know what you might discover about yourself. Sometimes people hire me as their home coach, not because they can't do some of these things themselves, but because... Being accountable may be the difference between it's so happening and it's actually really never going to happen. Sometimes it takes having someone there to step through the paces with you, decipher meaning or thoughts, reasoning, and aesthetics with you. And sometimes that outside perspective can spur an aha moment, like Oprah says, and suddenly transformation can happen much quicker. I had a recent conversation about a backyard space that was... um, I guess in need of some love. Envision a covered shed without walls, like a gazebo, but not really, because its shape is rectangular with an uneven brick floor that currently houses a grill and other random things, depending on the week. I was called in to dissect and think the space through. There was actually so much potential here. Her desire for a sitting area in this space was that so she could enjoy it year-round, ideally with some sort of heat source for the winter months, and a view of the changing seasons. The space faced the back of the house, only separated by a three-foot walkway running parallel to the house. The idea further delighted me because, you know, I love to give every bit of space a reason. I sat in a chair visualizing what it might be. What do I see when I sit here? Mostly the siding on the house, but there was an indented area on either side of a bay window. The bay window protruded a bit farther out, and those indentations I thought, could house something that should house something. 
both highly functional and beautiful, since this would really be the focal point when sitting in that space. Why not build some shelving above a countertop, maybe even a concrete countertop? My hamster was running full speed. (laughs) I love these sorts of puzzles. An open potting area with shelves to shelter plants for the winter, a countertop for multi-use potting, Um, but also when cleaned off, maybe it could be used as a hosting buffet of sorts when guests come. On the left, smaller indentation, maybe a low table could be there to hold drinks or a storage box to keep things dry in rainy months, but maybe that could also double as a corner table for hors d'oeuvres or drinks. Maybe a tall potted plant would enjoy it there and further break up the monotony of the siding on the back of the house as viewed from this future sitting area. The owner wanted to pull up the uneven brick and put something more stable and modern there, which would further define the space and enhance the optics. Adding large eye bolts on either end could further enhance the options, making a hammock a possibility there as well. I was delighted to see that she was not rushing into this project, but yet she had set some deadlines for herself. You're building and creating the framework for your life to happen here outdoors, so enjoy the journey of discovery. Make every decision with respectful, quiet deliberation so you can reflect on what is really important to you. What do you want this space to handle? What can you repurpose? Starting first with the end result and working backwards can sometimes help put clearer action into place. If you know you want an area for plants and you know you need to clean the attic, combine these two unrelated things and make cleaning the attic an adventure in finding what is up there that you can repurpose for this new outdoor space. I make deals with myself, like I'll clean the attic for an hour and then I get to go outside and work on my outdoor space for the rest of the day. Open your mind up for tidbits of clarity about your space. Sit in it and be quiet. Picture activity happening here. What is happening in your mind's eye and does it bring you or your family joy? If not, move on to the next vision. Come up with several visions and let them marinate before moving forward with the winner. Here are a list of things you can do or create in your yard. And this list is just to get your wheels cranking. Number one, my personal favorite, my number one pick is a hammock cabana, which is an elaborate way of building a support for each end of a hammock without trees available. Dual purpose features included. Reading, attracting birds and bird watching, yoga or meditation, 
growing vegetables, growing herbs for cooking or aromatherapy, growing flowers for bouquets, beekeeping, attracting hummingbirds, an outdoor movie space, barbecuing, hosting friends or neighbors for outdoor hosting friends or neighbors for outdoor bunko or cards of some sort, playing Yardsea, which is basically an outdoor version of Yahtzee, growing hops to brew beer, growing fruit to make pies or jam or for canning, growing grape, growing grapes to make wine, a nook for painting, creating a sport court, hot tub, miniature golf, napping, creating a butterfly garden, pizza oven, backyard camping for kids, tree climbing and or creating a tree house, Dining regularly outdoors, which could mean a picnic table or outdoor table and chairs. A pool for swimming or laps. Astronomy and stargazing, which can sometimes accompany a moon garden with plantings especially fragrant at night, along with plants that are highly visible in the dark. A pond for fishing if you have the land. A fire pit for evening fires, talking and making s'mores. Sandbox, swing set, balance beams, or other child-centric activities for younger aged children. Succulent garden. Fairy garden for kids. Backyard chicken coop for eggs, guitar jam session unplugged, also see crossover with fire pit. Keep your eyes open for moments of confirmation about one of the visions. Seeing my daughter so lit up about Taekwondo and now so very interested in yoga confirms my decision to turn this space into an outdoor workout area. Or, my partner really geeks out with the grill and there's nothing more exciting to him than the prospect of grilling for our closest friends and family, so I'm going to create a countertop situation for his food prep and a seating area for him and his buddies to further enjoy this area and the process of grilling. I always recommend starting with the function of the space, the activity that you want to see happening there, and then working backward into the design of it. How could I make this concept beautiful? How could I make it multifunctional? I will do an entire podcast on the subject of fences, but for now, I'll touch on it just briefly. If you live close to your neighbors and you keep thinking of a fence, higher, wider, bigger, how might you accomplish the same thing with live plants, hedges, greenery of some sort, or maybe even a half-high fence? 
If you can accomplish at least part of your goal with live plantings and more openness, aesthetically, it will pay off. More nature and less upkeep. What can you plant that is native? Again, less upkeep. The more open and inviting your space is, the more likely you can wave at your neighbors strolling by. The more you create high walls and giant barriers, the more it subliminally says, do not come here, we have much to hide, or you are not welcome. Allow me to digress for a moment and let's talk about happiness. The most useful definition of happiness is less about giddiness, less euphoria, and more about a sense of contentment with depth and deliberation to it. Studies have concluded that it encompasses living a meaningful life, utilizing your gifts and your time and living with intention and purpose. It's maximized when you also feel part of a community and also why I'm bringing this up now, creating more opportunities to say hello to the neighbors and more spaces for your friends and family to meet and linger and experience life's nuances outdoors can be so very powerful. Bringing down your fences or at least lowering them or using green hedges can become an interesting step in the right direction. If you have a chain link fence alongside of your property serving the purpose of keeping a pet contained, for example, you could grow a hedge next to it since it will grow through it, making it aesthetically more pleasing to both you and your neighbor. I often hear people default to the phrase, it gives us privacy, or I need more privacy. When we're talking about your backyard area, I'm going to say something a little controversial, because, you know, it's just you and me here having a chat. What are you doing in that space that no one can see? I say this with an open heart, and I'm not trying to be accusatory here. I'm simply posing the question... Because I think sometimes people fall back on that. Oh, I need, I need more privacy. Is it actually important for no one to see you doing whatever you do in your backyard? Our backyard activities consist of snoozing in the hammock. My son playing imagination. Sometimes we play Yardsy, a backyard version of Yahtzee. My husband grills on many days in the summer. We have dinner outside. None of these activities are anything other people cannot see. We literally took out our grubby, old, ugly builder special fence and replaced the boards with modern horizontal wires, allowing the space to still be defined, but is now see-through and delightfully fly-through for our favorite hummingbirds. We can see our neighbors walking their dog, and we have put in more plants to create shade and a passive privacy screen that's not as solid and imposing as a wood fence. Bonus points that it's less costly to upkeep, and it's so much more beautiful. 
Now, I get that over 60% of you have pets, so keeping them in your yard is a whole different reason for needing fencing. But my point here is to simply reimagine the automatic place that your mind goes when you think of privacy. Do I really care if someone sees me drinking my coffee in my Adirondack? Or might it be an opportunity to connect with my neighbor at a distance? Connection, even with your closest core group, is more important now than ever. Make a space on your porch or in your yard for future sitting, chatting, gathering, tasting, bird watching, pumpkin carving, whatever gives you all the feels. Think about what small spaces you have outdoors that are not being used. I don't care if your yard is the size of a postage stamp. It still applies. You can do so much in a very small space. Think dual purpose things. Think of hanging with your people and imagining what would help facilitate that. Think of dividing your yard up into rooms without walls. This space can be for the hammock. This space over here can be for sitting and enjoying a fire. And this space is for eating outside. Apply the five senses method. What can I plant that will grow with the light I have near where we sit that will produce a lovely smell? Can this also be applied to an area outside your window so that when opened, you can enjoy that smell indoors as well? What do you envision when you sit? And can you make it happen? How much space do you need to attract birds and butterflies? Very little. Stay tuned for a future podcast just about that. Let's also be realistic about the long haul. Think about what you do and don't enjoy. If you know you really dislike mowing the lawn and you don't see that changing anytime soon, go down the rabbit hole of Pinterest and search for ideas for minimizing lawn and maximizing usefulness. Ultimately, no matter how beautiful your space is, if you're not able to keep it up and enjoy it, the long-term maintenance of it, it probably should be rethought. This could mean laying down weed block and putting in a river rock pathway winding in between raised garden beds, maybe. Maybe that leads to a she shed in the back with a beautiful slide-up door And that could be left open in the summer to sit and enjoy strumming on the guitar or admiring your dahlias. When thinking about the long haul, it also pays to consider your now nine-year-old venturing into the teen years. If she absolutely loves movies and you think that's not really an outdoorsy kind of thing, Could you put in a spot for a movie projector to live in the summer with an outdoor screen? Having a showing of Jaws while handing out popcorn to all her closest friends, doesn't that sound so fun? Think perennials when possible with a splash of annuals. Because again, 
long-term thought says you can enjoy them coming up year after year without the work of replanting your entire yard each spring, unless of course that's your jam, and then by all means. This seems like a duh kind of question, but it can be overlooked, so I thought I'd bring it up anyways. Where is the shade? I did an interesting exercise last summer. I went out to my yard and took a photo of it every hour and wrote on the photo itself what time it was shot with the intent of figuring out where to hang our sail shades for a specific fast approaching backyard bunko party. When considering your activities and what you want to do in your yard, consider first where the shade is at what time of day If you love to have happy hour every late afternoon, creating a sitting space for that only works if you're not fleeing from the sun after just 10 minutes of sitting. Now, can you plant something that gives you shade? Yes. Can you put up sail shades to give you the shade you need? Yes. But consider all this when formalizing the plan in your head. Especially important would be I want a tomato garden, which absolutely needs sun. Despite it looking better on the other side of the yard, you know it has to go where the sun is. This can also be a source for a starting point. If you know your raised tomato garden bed has to go in this one certain spot because of the sun, start there and work the rest of your vision around that. As you know, I'm a realtor. I had clients that proclaimed, we want land, a giant piece of land. But when the rubber hit the road, they didn't even enjoy caring for the 20 by 30 lot they currently owned. Long story short, these same clients moved into a home on a smaller lot in a neighborhood and didn't even like the small patch of grass in their backyard, so they designed pavers over it. They discovered the front lawn, maintained by their HOA, was plenty for their daughter to play in, and that they're freed up to do other things with their time that they enjoy more. So getting mighty honest with yourself about what you do and don't love to do is key in thinking of your outdoor space, no matter if you're considering buying a new house or just imagining what your current outdoor space could evolve into. If you're passionate about growing grapes and making wine and really despise social situations because you're an introvert, get that land and grow yourself some grapes. If social situations give you anxiety, a larger piece of land will give you the isolation that gives you solace. Be honest with yourself. Like these clients who thought they wanted land and all the animals, they didn't really want the upkeep that all the land would have required. The point here is what story are you telling yourself and is it true? Do you really want land which can equal a ton of outdoor work? Do you romanticize about wanting something without thinking of the work it takes to do that thing? 
If you really love working the land every single day, maybe a farm is for you. But if you just love the idea of the Christmas tree farm that you visited last holiday and you want really a get on the tractor kind of person, rethink what about that Christmas tree farm spoke to your soul? What piece of that is realistic for your long-term happiness? Upon closer examination, maybe you really loved all the trees. So living on a wooded piece of land would give you the piece of that that you crave without the functioning tree farm part that isn't part of your authentic self. Maybe the house you have now could be occupied with many pine trees in the backyard. Paying attention to those quiet pangs of your heartstrings are important in building a vision for your outdoor space. Side note on planting trees. You probably know trees can cause foundation and plumbing damage. I'll put a list of trees to avoid planting near your home on the reference blog of my website and I'll include a link in the show notes. If you're still unsure of where to start with your yard revitalization project, take action on what you do know you want to do. For example, if you know you want a great space to read in your backyard close to your favorite cow named Dorothy, do that. Start there. Keep the space small and intimate. Look at pictures and folders full of ideas on Pinterest and do that one thing. Forget the rest of the yard for now. Do not be intimidated by the beast of overwhelm. Once you're done and happily reading in your new space, trust that a clear picture of what you can create beyond that will materialize. You are not in a rush. Great spaces aren't created overnight. Plants take years to mature, and seeing them develop into bigger, happier versions of themselves can be a great source of joy year after year. This is also why I love staying in the same home for a long time. You can finally see the fruits of your labor. What to do with the tiny bit of beer left in the bottom of your can? My favorite trick to make use and not waste. All the credit to my husband for thinking this one up. It only works in climates where slugs are present. We live in the Pacific Northwest, so they're plentiful here. Pour the beer into small shallow bowls, set them in the garden or in your flower beds, and leave it overnight. Slug kegger at our house. We catch a ton of these pesky critters this way. They crawl in and drown. In the morning, we check them and find a bowl filled. You have permission to re-listen to any of these podcasts again, especially if you're embarking on a project you know that I did a podcast on last winter, for example. I listen to my favorite audiobooks over and over, and it's no different. Sometimes you hear new things. Let's quickly talk about all kinds of cool gadgets and gear for outdoors. I have created a blog post about all the things I've found that are extra cool, and I'll put a link for that below in the podcast notes. If you're thinking of buying or selling, how do you pick the right realtor? 
Well, for starters, you should actually like being around them and they should communicate in the way that you prefer because you'll spend a lot of time communicating with them. A good realtor will respond and not leave you hanging when you're waiting for a return text or call. I understand how life-changing a home sale and purchase is, and your needs are a priority. If you're a buyer and you haven't gotten pre-approved before going out and looking at houses, a good real estate agent will ask you to. There are a number of important things you might find out by going through the pre-approval process, one of which is how much of a home you are qualified to buy. If you haven't taken this step yet, reach out to me and I can recommend some options. I think it's also important that your agent has the skills to really hear you. I need to not just listen to your words, but dissect your actions and current situation so that I can be proactive. Like the example earlier, where my clients said they wanted all the land and all the animals, but I simultaneously heard them dreading lawn care. I asked more questions and dug deeper, sometimes harvesting the client's actual needs is a nugget of gold. You'll need someone that will tell you the truth, even when it's inconvenient. A great agent will always put their own character, honesty, and integrity ahead of making a buck. A real estate transaction rarely goes off without a hitch these days, but 98% of the time, I can uncover a way to keep things moving, even if it takes some creativity. The right agent doesn't throw in the towel after the first sign of bad news. One of the best signs you've picked the right agent is that you choose to stay in touch with them after it's all said and done. Not just as a constant resource, but like a person you want to hang with and maybe toast the progress of your new backyard with. If you happen to know someone in the market to buy or sell in the greater Portland, Oregon area, kindly send them my way. The finest compliment I could ever receive is the confidence of your referral. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. I look forward to seeing your pictures on the group Facebook page of your beautiful backyards and celebrating every little bit of progress. If you haven't yet, subscribe to this podcast so it automatically downloads every time a new episode is released. Thanks for joining me and I'll see you back here next time. 